Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home for some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Justin Ellis. Kevin Garnett swore by it. The Golden State Warriors nearly revolted when they couldn't get it. And it's one of the biggest held secrets by the notoriously tight-lipped Spurs. I'm talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, the simple, comforting childhood staple that quietly became the go-to snack of the NBA. On today's episode, Baxter Holmes goes deep, possibly deeper than anyone ever before, on the subject of PB&J in the NBA. But this isn't just a story about a sandwich. It's about peak performance and all the little things NBA players think they need to succeed. Coming up after the story, you can join me as I sit down with Baxter to talk about what it's like to try to do a serious interview with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Here's the story. The NBA's Secret Addiction, ESPN Exclusive, How One Performance-Enhancing Sandwich Has Spread Through the NBA, by Baxter Holmes. The legend has been passed down by NBA generations, chronicled like a Homeric odyssey. The tale they tell is of Kevin Garnett and the 2007-2008 Celtics, and the seminal moment of a revolution. Brian Dew, Celtic's strength and conditioning coach, recalls it as if it were yesterday, how before a game in December of that season, an unnamed Celtic, his identity lost to history, like the other horsemen on Paul Revere's midnight ride, complained to Dew of incipient hunger pangs. Man, I could go for a PB&J the player said. And then Garnett, in an act with historical reverberations, uttered the now fabled words, Yeah, let's get on that. Garnett had not, to that point, made the PB&J a part of his pregame routine, but on that night in Boston, as Dew recalls, Garnett partook, then played, and played well. Afterward, from his perch as the Celtics' fiery leader, Garnett issued the following commandment, We're gonna need PB&J in here every game now. And so, a sandwich revolution was born. At the time, due notes, the Celtics not only didn't provide lavish pregame spreads, they didn't offer much food at all. But he soon found himself slapping together twenty PB&Js about three hours before every tip-off. The finished products placed in bags and labeled with Sharpie in a secret code. S for strawberry, G for grape, C for crunchy. A vital import, Garnett was an S-man. And woe unto he who did not deliver him two S's before every game. If Kevin didn't get his routine down... He'd be pissed, Dew says. Even if he didn't eat them, he needed them to be there. From Dew's perspective, PB&Js were a far better option than players seeking out, say, greasy junk food from arena concessions. It was a win-win for everybody, he says. But as the Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen Celtics steamrolled to a 66-win season and an NBA title, the secret to their success so cleverly disguised between two pieces of white bread, was eventually leaked. 
Boston was doing it at a mass-produced level earlier on than I noticed other people doing it for sure, says Tim DeFrancesco, the Lakers' strength and conditioning coach since 2011. They were really on the forefront of this revolution. In time, as visiting teams swung through Boston, opposing players caught wind that a new day had dawned. DeFrancesco recalls hearing from his troops during a visit, Wait a minute. There's PB&Js in the Celtics' locker room. Can we get some? Dew's colleagues around the league were less effusive. B-Dew, I can't believe you did this for the guys, one told him. Now you got me making them. There was no putting the jelly back in the jar. Over the course of the following seasons, as that Celtics' championship run ran its course, the pieces of that team would be spread far and wide. Pierce and Garnett migrating the PB&J down I-95 to Brooklyn. Glenn, Big Baby Davis converting the Orlando Magic. Tony Allen spreading the bug to Memphis. Coach Doc Rivers bringing the virus across the country to infect the Clippers. And nothing would ever be the same. The Trailblazers offer twenty crustless halved PB&Js pregame, Ten of them toasted, a mandate ever since an opposing arena prepared them as such, and Blazers guard Damien Lillard approved. They're composed of organic fixings, save for white bread, which Portland's assistant performance coach Ben Kenyon notes is a high-glycemic carb that easily digests to provide a quick energy jolt. Typically, all twenty vanish well before tip-off. Sometimes the Blazers double their order— the Rockets made sure the PB&J is available in their kitchen at all times, in all varieties, white and wheat bread, toasted, untoasted, smuckers, strawberry and grape, jiff, creamy and chunky, and offer 12 to 15 sandwiches pre-game, with PB&J reinforcements provided at halftime and on post-game flights. The secret of Spurs, it has been confirmed, indulge in their own pre-game PB&Js, the Clippers, at home and on the road, go through two loaves of bread, almond and peanut butters, and assorted jellies from Whole Foods. The Pelicans offer PB&J everywhere. Hotel rooms, flights, locker rooms. The Wizards had some minor uprisings from players. One source says, when management try to upgrade team PB&Js with organic peanut butter on whole grain bread, but peace was restored when each side compromised to include all options. The Bucks might boast the NBA's most elaborate PB&J operation, a pregame buffet featuring smooth, crunchy, and almond butters, an assortment of jellies, raspberry, strawberry, grape, blueberry, apricot, three breads from a local bakery, white, wheat, and gluten-free, and Nutella. The team scarfs twenty to thirty PB&Js per game and travels with the ingredients, which rookies prepare on the plane and in visiting locker rooms. They've even offered their players PB&J-flavored oatmeal, PB&J recovery shakes, PB&J waffles, and PB&J pancakes. Buck's team chef, dietitian, Sean Zell won't rule out one day making a PB&J burger. It's a tale of two diets in Cleveland's Quicken Loans arena, where the Cavs, courtesy of a partnership with fellow Ohio-based outfit Smuckers, 
voiced about a dozen of the company's pre-packaged uncrustables, PB&Js on opposing teams every game night. Both the Lakers and Celtics strength and conditioning coaches tell their players to avoid those processed, once-frozen snacks. But the Cavs fare far better with their fare, serving themselves twenty artisanal PB&Js prior to tip-off, with homemade grape and raspberry jelly, as well as almond butter and banana and peanut butter and banana sandwiches, the power of the PB&J being wielded as a form of asymmetric nutritional warfare. No matter how you slice it, it's hard to swallow. The NBA is covered in experts, obsessed with peak performance, and still this pillar of grade school cafeteria lunches is the staple snack of the league. An exorbitantly wealthy micro-click, backed by an army of personal chefs, swears by a sandwich whose standard ingredients boast a street value of roughly sixty-nine cents. It was winter of 2013, and those in Dwight Howard's inner orbit begged the All-Star Center to kick his addiction, but he denied he had one. Why, he dominated for years as the NBA's best big man, carrying the magic to the finals in 2009. Then came surgery on a herniated disc in April 2012, followed by an August trade to the Lakers, who had paraded him around like their next Wilt, Kareem, or Shaq an unstoppable center who had delivered titles in droves. But his back just wasn't healing. Howard was twenty-seven, sculpted like a statue in the Louvre, but he labored down the court like a retired fullback. The Lakers plummeted below five hundred in January, with Kobe Bryant barking at Howard to man up, though in terms a tad more colorful. But the team's chef and its strength and conditioning coach stressed a different message. Man up! and get off this sugar. By February's all-star break, it was time for a full-blown intervention, and Dr. Kate Shanahan, the Lakers' nutritionist, led the charge, speaking to Howard by phone from her office in Napa, California. Howard's legs tingled, he complained, but she noticed he was having trouble catching passes, too, as if his hands were wrapped in oven mitts. Well, he quietly admitted, his fingers also tingled. Shanahan, with two decades of experience in the field, knew Howard possessed a legendary sweet tooth, and she suspected his consumption of sugar was causing a nerve dysfunction called dysesthesia, which she'd seen in patients with prediabetes. She urged him to cut back on sugar for two weeks. If that didn't help, she said she vowed to resign. To alter Howard's diet, though, Shanahan first had to understand it. After calls with his bodyguard, chef, and personal assistant, she uncovered a startling fact. Howard had been scarfing down about two dozen chocolate bars worth of sugar every single day for years, possibly as long as a decade. You name it, he ate it, she says. Skittles, Starbursts, Rolos, Snickers, Mars bars, Twizzlers, Almond Joys, Kit Kats, and oh— how he loved Reese's Pieces. He'd eat them before lunch, after lunch, before dinner, after dinner, and like any junkie, he had stashes all over, in his kitchen, his bedroom, his car, a fix always within reach. She told his assistants to empty his house, and they hauled out his monstrous candy stash in boxes. Yes, boxes, plural. 
Howard ultimately vowed to go clean all at once, but before he committed to cutting the junk in his diet, he asked Shanahan one question. It was about one food he wasn't willing to surrender, one snack at which he had to draw the line. He wanted to know whether he could still eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. DeFrancesco was hardly surprised. When he joined the Lakers in 2011 and begun traveling around the league, he'd already seen it. Four years after KG's PB&J epiphany, virtually every player's lounge and practice site was stocked with jumbo-sized jars of peanut butter and jelly, bookended by a loaf or two of bread. DeFrancesco had had his eye on improving player diets, but Mount PB&J was clearly not the hill to die upon. You pick your battles, he says, which is exactly what DeFrancesco told Shanahan as they began working with Howard in 2013 to overhaul his sugary diet. Their demands weren't onerous. He didn't have to quit cold turkey. They only wanted Howard to try a healthier approach, with soft sourdough, organic peanut butter, and low-sugar jelly. Tensions were high when they presented Howard with the healthier version. But as he sank his teeth in, Howard grinned. Yeah, this will work. Howard has requested cut out sugars from his diet. The tingling in his fingers and legs ceased. After the all-star break, he tallied 1.8 more rebounds, 2.1 more points, and 2.5 more minutes per game. Today, Shanahan accepts what DeFrancesco realized years ago. The peanut butter and jelly sandwich is absolutely never going to not be in the NBA. And I feel confident saying never. But why? What is it exactly about a PB&J? In dozens of interviews with players, coaches, executives, nutritionists, trainers, and others in and around the NBA, the most common explanation offered was the most obvious. PB&J is comfort food, and countless players, like countless other humans, grew up on it. It's a soothing memory from childhood, Shanahan says. It's peace of mind, says Brett Singer, a dietitian at the Memorial Hermann Ironman Sports Medicine Institute, who adds, You feel good? You play well. Brian St. Pierre, director of performance nutrition at Precision Nutrition, who's consulted with the Spurs, says it's not so much a placebo effect, but almost more than that. They just simply believe. Lakers coach Luke Walton has a theory. NBA players are superstitious nuts, especially when it comes to routines. Athletes are strange people, he says. We've got weird habits. Walton, now 36, and in his first season leading the Lakers, still downs a PB&J before every game. Factor in the NBA schedule. Teams flying constantly. Red eyes, bad traffic, rotten night sleeps. And on a night-to-night -night basis, so much is outside a player's control. It's all the more natural to cling all the tighter to something quick, cheap, and all but impossible to foul up. Cute theory. But now let's engage in a little evolutionary anthropology and travel back millennia to when humans began to walk upright, and our ancestors developed cravings for certain qualities in hard-to-find calorie-dense foods—fats, sugars, starches, proteins, and salts. 
Today, the smell of these, even the mere awareness of their proximity, still triggers a release in humans of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which once provided our ancestors with an energy boost for the hunt, along with serotonin, the happiness hormone. At first bite of a PB&J, receptors detect the food's chemical composition and report back to the brain fats, sugars, starches, protein, salts, where reward centers release opioids and, after a few minutes, endorphins, which briefly reduce stress. It's an effect, St. Pierre notes, that's similar to sex. They also lower the body's heart rate, a bonus for an anxious hunter or a player just before tip-off. These are the exact same pathways that make heroin addicts chase their next fix, says Dr. Trevor Cottrell, Director of Human Performance for the Memorial Hermann Ironman Sports Medicine Institute. Heroin, sex, peanut butter, and jelly. You can see why players might revolt if someone tried to take away their PB&J. So are they actually good for you? or good enough for the physical demands of the most physically taxed athletes on the planet. Perhaps you've seen articles in your Facebook feed about the horrors of sugar and carbs. Within that framework, no, PB&Js aren't great. The typical PB&J contains roughly 400 to 500 calories, 50 grams of carbohydrates, 20 grams of fat, and 10 grams of protein. As Jill Lane, a Dallas-based sports nutritionist, who has worked with NBA players, says, It's not the best, but it's not bad. But nutrition may be beside the point. Even if we argue that physiologically a PB&J isn't the best pregame meal, St. Pierre says, that's only true if you think psychology doesn't impact physiology, and we know it does. Your thoughts about a food will actually help to shape how your body reacts to that food. As Stefan J. Goyanet, author of The Hungry Brain, notes, the brain mostly cares about calories. So plain celery sticks and kale don't release much dopamine and we don't develop cravings for them. Or as Cottrell says, the brain is a complex organ system that we know very little about. But what we know about food cravings alludes to some important neural pathways that are often associated with crack cocaine addiction, believe it or not. Make that heroin, sex, and crack cocaine. The mutinous undertones for the Warriors appeared in October 2015 on the team's first flight of the season. In the prior off-season, the Warriors had hired Lachlan Penfold, former head of physical preparation for an Australian men's rugby squad, to man a newly created position, head of physical performance and sports medicine, Penfold arrived in the Bay Area with a simple vision, less sugar, healthier food. The Warriors, in turn, had willingly parted with candy, cookies, and soda. But now, on this charter flight, they found nary a PB&J. Concerned glances were exchanged. Just the fact that it wasn't there shook me a little bit, Stefan Curry told ESPN at the time. Clearly, Penfold had made a mistake, yes? No. Sorry, mate, Penfold explained. We're not doing sugar. History records this sinister act as the first shot fired in the great PB&J War of 2015. Walton, at the time the interim coach for an injured Steve Kerr, 
decided to lead the revolt, perhaps in an effort to ingratiate himself with his new charges. Whenever Walton was asked by flight attendants in the coming weeks, Coach, what can we get you? He'd reply without fail, in a voice loud enough that Penfold and his players could all hear, Peanut butter and jelly. Walton would be duly informed that no such option was available, but his message was clear. This would not stand. Said Penfold at the time, I haven't heard complaining like that since my youngest daughter was about three years of age. As the Warriors' PB&J band persisted, Walton upped the stakes. He began telling flight attendants he wanted PB&J or nothing. Then on December 11th, after the Warriors beat the Celtics in double overtime to improve to an NBA record 24-0, players again asked for PB&J for the flight to Milwaukee on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Again, Penfold said no. Who needs peanut butter and jelly when you've got Vegemite? Penfold joked at the time, referencing a famously distasteful Australian food spread. The following night, the Warriors lost to the Bucks. I have to believe we lost a game because of it. Warriors GM Bob Meyer said then, tongue firmly in cheek, perhaps stuck to the roof of his mouth. I think you can trace it to the peanut butter. Finally, Walton called in the heavy artillery. Curry, the MVP guard, the sharpshooter had become a PB&J devotee during the 2014-2015 season, when during one half-time... Curry complained of hunger and the team's strength and conditioning coach whipped one up. From then on, Curry's PB&J, for the record, Smucker's Strawberry Skippy Creamy, became his go-to pregame meal. If you look at Steph's warm-up, some of it is sensical, some of it doesn't make sense, Meyer said. But if peanut butter and jelly are part of our routine, to take that away from him, it was actually an irresponsible thing to do from the outset. It was time for Walton to fire back. He explained to Curry that if the guard entered the fray, they'd win this war. Once Steph got on board, Walton says, we got them back pretty quickly after that. Penfold relented. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich every now and again wouldn't kill them. I wouldn't eat it, but you know, whatever turns you on, you know? Catastrophe avoided, Myers said. Today, Penfold is no longer employed by the Warriors. Last October, it was reported that he joined the Melbourne Storm, an Australian rugby league team, as the new director of performance. No formal announcement ever appears to have been made explaining what led to his departure from the Warriors after their 73-win season. One can assume it was not because of sandwiches. But last February, Walton was quoted by the Wall Street Journal defending his battle and proclaiming victory for the common man over the forces of anti-PB&J tyranny. You gotta fight for your rights. If you believe in something, you gotta fight for it. In the aftermath, when Walton was named coach of the Lakers last summer, he was approached by DeFrancesco, who also helped shape the Lakers' pre-game and post-game meals. DeFrancesco asked Walton whether there was any specific item that Walton wanted on the team plane after games. Nope, your call, Walton told him. I'm sure you do a great job, but uh, there better be PB&Js. It's late January, midday, at a shared workspace along Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. An NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, has a plane to catch. 
He's leaving a panel discussion at the second annual Total Health Forum, hosted by the League and its partner, health giant Kaiser Permanente. And there's a crowd waiting. Silver, in a red tie and black suit, shakes a slew of hands, smiles for a few selfies, and, as the minutes become precious, disappears through a doorway into the back. He removes a microphone affixed to his jacket, then meets a reporter who warns Silver that what's coming next are serious questions for a serious story. Silver agrees to be grilled, and the two walk and talk. And then Silver is asked, what is the League's official stance on the very obvious peanut butter and jelly epidemic in NBA locker rooms? Our official stance, Silver says, is that it is a healthy snack. And then he stops. Clearly, Silver recognizes that this subject is not one to be discussed in passing. These questions must be given his full attention, even if he's on a tight schedule with a plane to catch. Let's talk, he says. In Golden State last year, the reporter notes, a sports scientist wanted to do away with the snack, sugars and all that, and the players revolted. The players won. So you have the health community versus the players. Whose side are you on? Well, so where I fall is I listened to Chris Paul, our first speaker this morning. Silver says. He talked about balance. So I'm an advocate of balance. So people need to eat nutritious meals but a little bit of sugar, okay. But is allowing a little bit a slippery slope? No, because my response to any slippery slope is you draw lines. Finally, the crucial query is broached. How do you take yours, Adam Silver? And where do you fall in the grape versus strawberry debate? I'm clearly on the strawberry side of the debate, Silver says, with some measure of emphasis, as if selecting grape is indefensible and I take, usually, my peanut butter with toast in the morning. I've been going light on the jelly. I do peanut butter virtually every day. I don't always add the jelly. Growing up in Latvia, Nick's sensation Kristaps Porzingis had never heard of a PB&J. Then he joined the NBA. I fell in love, he told the Wall Street Journal. Pacers nutritionist Lindsay Langford says rookie... George Nyang begs, yes, begs for her PB&J recovery shake recipe. Frozen blueberries, vanilla whey protein, creamy peanut butter and milk, which she makes once a week to his delight. Warriors forward Kevin Durant is such a fan that he worked with Nike to unveil a PB&J-colored sneaker. His ex-teammate, Russell Westbrook, prefers a pregame marriage of Skippy and strawberry jelly between toasted wheat bread, halved sometimes, depending on his mood, with butter slathered on the inside. Then there's Lakers' 19-year-old rookie forward Brandon Ingram, who before road games carefully inspects his team's PB&Js, each made with organic ingredients to make sure they're up to his standards. Ingram, a jelly-come-lately, says he began eating pre-game PB&Js only about two years ago, but when he arrived in the NBA and found the habit league-wide, he knew he'd found a home. Brandon has the highest requisites, DeFrancesco says, on what constitutes a perfect PB&J for any player I've ever come across. Ingram, the number two overall pick in the 2016 draft, self-identifies as a big grape jelly lover, 
and demands a healthy spread of peanut butter on the inside of both slices of bread. And if he doesn't see jelly poking out on at least two sides of the sandwich, he's got serious concerns. Ask him to name a place where the PB&J was lacking and he doesn't hesitate. Utah, he says. Not enough jelly. Brandon Ingram might not realize that he's inherited a legacy. He might not know that he's but one soldier in a decade-long war. But Celtic's trainer, do knows. He knows that the legend they speak of is real. He knows there is a Johnny Appleseed of the PB&J revolution. And he knows where to find him. And so it was that during a January visit to Atlanta, when Dew stopped by the TNT studios, he saw, as part of a skit for TNT's new Area 21 show, several NBA greats sitting together to dine. There was Shaquille O'Neal, feasting on barbecued chicken. There was Celtics guard Isaiah Thomas, enjoying a steak. And Kevin Garnett? Well, come on. You know what was on his plate. And that was The NBA's Secret Addiction, written by Baxter Holmes. Baxter joins us now on the line. Baxter, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So this this obviously was a real fun story, and you're, you're an NBA reporter. You cover the Lakers. Wh where did this story start for you, from what you've seen in locker rooms? Tell us how it all began. When I was an intern for the Boston Globe in the summer of 2008, I remember one of the stories that year uh, about the, the Celtics' rise uh, to reach the finals again was how Kevin Garnett had been uh, kind of instituted a, a locker room-wide PB&J policy. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Smuckers and companies like that were taking out ads to, like, thank the Celtics for, you know, whatever. And uh, I thought it was really interesting, or just kind of quaint, I guess, in some ways. Um, and I, you know, but and then late, years later, I became a full-time um, NBA beat reporter, actually, at the Globe, covering the Celtics, I think, in 2013. And as I went around the league... I noticed that there was peanut butter and jelly in basically every locker room that I stepped into before games and teams would have kind of different spins on it. And that, I just remember thinking for as much money is poured into developing these athletes and giving them the highest grade of everything. There's this sandwich, which almost, uh, I mean, so many people identify with from their youth being in their lunchbox, going to school. And you hear these like highly tuned professional athletes that have, team chefs and professional and, and personal chefs and nutritionists and dietitians and they're eating PB&J. And so I just, that was kind of where it started for me, just like wondering how and why this happened. And, uh, you know, that, that was essentially my pitch to the editors. So going along in the reporting, you, you did uh, talk to a number of teams and which team was the most difficult to confirm about their setup and which one do you think perhaps had the wildest PB&J uh, buffet, I guess you could call it? Yeah, mm, most difficult. Cleveland was interesting because on the one hand, they have a relationship with Smokers, and which is also based in Ohio. And uh, if you're at uh, Cavaliers games, you'll see a lot of the, the prepackaged, pre-made uh, jamwiches, I guess you could call them, um, <laughs> that are available to the media. And they're also available to the opposing teams. But then on the other side, they do these really artisanal almond butter and banana or, or with different kinds of jams or jellies sandwiches for their own side. 
And it was kind of like trying to get the particulars of like, okay, wait a minute, you guys have this partnership and you get all these PB&Js, but you don't actually eat them. And more to the point, you give them to other teams and other teams, strength coaches don't want their players to eat them. And you mean, you know, you're eating this other good stuff. So it, it kind of seemed like warfare uh, in a way, which is kind of interesting. The Bucks were probably the most extravagant uh, in terms of their PB&J uh, buffet. They do, that, that's exactly what they do before games. They have all these different kinds of, uh, jams and jellies and nut butters and Nutella and different kinds of bread uh, spread out for the players to make their own kind of PB&J. It was really, and they also, you know, we're talking about doing PB&J oatmeal, PB&J shakes. Uh, their, or their, uh, their, I think it was their nutritionist told me he wasn't above making a PB&J burger someday. So they've really taken it to a level above and beyond. That sounds absolutely disgusting, by the way. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're somebody who's been who's been covering the NBA for a while. You talk to to players about a lot of things. You talk to coaches, conditioning people. In this situation, what was it like trying to get players to open up about something like PB and J's? Just the mention of this subject, I just saw so many people like their eyes widen, and they were so happy to talk about this stuff. Uh, a lot of people, I. Just have it's like a it's a daily part of their lives and something they really enjoy, something that brings them happiness. It's like a taste of their childhood. But I don't, you know, a lot of them haven't been asked about it. And and talking to different players or strength coaches or whomever about how much guys love PB and J or the way they like certain their kind of PB and J. Oh, he likes his toasted, and you know, Damian Lillard likes his toasted, and that's why the Portland Trailblazers serve half their order toasted or you know, various things like that. Or getting stories about Kevin Garnett kind of being the godfather of peanut butter and jelly. Uh, people were so thrilled to talk about this. It was, it was, that was one of the things that was kind of funny to me, was just seeing like the passion and excitement. They did in some ways look like, you know, little kids again uh, in talking about uh, the sandwich that, you know, we associate with being a little kid. So this, this story obviously has a second gear to it beyond the fact that this sandwich kind of is a staple in so many locker rooms. How did you find the second gear for this, you know, beyond uncovering the fact that there's this undying love for PB&Js, but the fact that looking into whether there's an actual benefit there? That was uh, – a, a lot of the stuff that I found that was surprising to me, that was a thing that I maybe – I didn't – I certainly didn't, didn't expect. And all these different nutritionists and strength coaches and dietitians said, essentially, it's not the best thing for you. Uh, it's not that bad, but it's not the best thing, but that mental, the mental health benefits of a sandwich like this and, and what it contains and the different chemicals that are released in your brain, that that is why, uh, it's an important part and why it, of, uh, like a, for a player before a game, maybe easing their nerves or just making them happy and that that is why it should be there. And I guess I didn't, you know, we often don't maybe include happiness as a, as a statistic, right? Uh, because it's a hard thing to quantify. You could, you know, when you have it, but uh, but not if you don't. So it's it's that was something that I to me really was a big takeaway was trying to grapple with mental health as as something that's often a taboo subject in sports, but that we also can recognize the importance of it uh, in certain cases. And I think this is I think this makes a case of, uh, even though it might seem silly, like that's honestly the biggest benefit of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in NBA locker rooms. That, that is that was one of the interesting aspects of this. You know, it did seem like there was this dynamic where 
you had trainers and um, other athletic staff, other health staff saying that we're not really sure about this, but they, they want to do it for these guys anyway. Why do you think that is? Do you think it is just this ha- this idea of, of making the players happy that there's something beyond that? Yeah. Uh, one of the key things, I think, is when guys are going around the league, so much is outside their control. You know, the travel to and from, uh, traffic, weather, they're, they're staying in hotel rooms. You know, the bed might be uh, lumpy or whatever the case. Or there's there's and, and the food that they get, might get, the order from whatever caterer is, is serving them or if it's from the arena or some restaurant, everything is kind of outside their control. It could, it could go one way or the other. They hope it's good or not. But like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a very simple, stable thing that is very familiar to them. It's really hard to mess up, and it tastes virtually the same everywhere you can go. You can make it really quickly. And just that one piece of familiarity that they can grab onto in an environment where so much is left to chance or not left to chance, but so much is maybe outside their control um, is something I think that they also really, it, it, they really appreciate. It's just like the one thing they know they can kind of count on in some ways. It's one or one of the few things I should say. Uh, and because routine is so important to these players, uh, I mean, certain guys will have good games and then whatever they did before that game, they will stick to that for the rest of their career just because they're superstitious in that way. I think that's that's another factor to it. They they, it's a part of their routine. It's something they they know they can count on to be the same virtually everywhere they go. It's always going to be there for them in that way. And because there's so much that can change, it makes that ever ever more important to them. So you did a lot of legwork for this story, including talking with. Adam Silver, and I'm wondering how surreal it was to sit down for an interview with the commissioner of the NBA to talk about <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. During the interview, I was thinking, is this really happening? Is this, this is, you know, and that was actually my first interview with Adam Silver. So I will have that forever. Uh, that that's how, that's how my, uh, that's how that started between us. But uh, it, it was, it was, it was surreal, but I also immediately recognized that he understood kind of the importance of this in the NBA. I mean, he's no, he's, he travels around, he knows the players, he knows everything. And I think uh, he recognized that, like what a, a big kind of staple this is and was happy to talk about it, particularly as I was talking to him about like the mental health aspects or, um, you know, whatever the case, you know, is it a healthy snack or not? Cause there's some kind of divide there. Uh, and, you know, and then at the very end, the thing that was, also funny, and this was one of my big takeaways from the story, you know, asking him how he likes, you know, his, and he was like, well, I like strawberry, of course. And he kind of spoke about it in the way that, like, as if grape is this awful thing, which is, everybody, <laughs> I've, I've talked to so many people and heard from so many people after the story, and they are so, they, they, they are so strong uh, opinion-wise on whatever it is they like, like if it's creamy or crunchy or strawberry, or grape, or just, you know, with a certain kinds of bread. And they think everything else is absolutely disgusting. Like, they can't even imagine anyone who would like that kind or that kind. It's like, it's like what, you know, what planet are you from? And But just even he, hearing him kind of talk that way uh, about, you know, grape jelly just reminded me, I was like, man, people, there's tribes when it comes to this stuff, and they are so against everything else. And, you know, he's just like everyone else in that regard. It's just sad that we are so divided as a nation, even when it comes down to people and Jay, I, I guess. <laughs> um, well, just lastly, you know, when you sit down to write this, 
was it difficult at all to sort of balance this, to trying to have the serious aspect of it, but also that this is something that's pretty fun? Yeah, it, 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 there were moments where I, I, I wanted to keep a tone kind of throughout, just like dispose serious kind of tone. But then I also thought in, in some ways this story is a, is a potential way to highlight uh, benefits of mental health, which again is kind of a taboo subject in sports sometimes and maybe something we don't uh, at large appreciate as much or even, you know, within sports as well. Uh, there's still some very old mentalities that kind of overlook that. And, um, and so I, I, did want to, I did want to be re- pretty real when it came to that. I wanted to um, leave the reader with that impression. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, it was a lot of fun to report. I had fun the whole way through. And then, you know, certainly after the fact, uh, and seeing the reaction from people and getting packages of peanut butter, uh, shipped to my house, even though I didn't ask for it. Uh, so, uh, but yes, it, that was, there was definitely a balance that I wanted to strike in certain areas. I mean, in particularly what, you know, with like mental health or, um, you know, but yeah, so that, 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 that was, that was something that I was very cognizant of all the way through. And as you just touched on there, I, I got to know what was the weirdest PB&J story or weirdest PB&J related item that came your way after this story uh, first debuted? I, well, I have to say this. So first, I had, it, 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 I've never received a reaction on anything like I have for this story. And that I don't, it's going to really take something big for me for, to, you know, to even come close to topping that. I'll, I'll say that like the, the amount of feedback and messages from people and photographs and everyone sending me how they like their PB&J and uh, just, you know, different weird things. You know, I pastrami and peanut butter was something someone was like, oh, you should try that, which I'm not going to ever try. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Uh, uh, but of, of all the things that I was sending, you know, Walmart sent me a package of peanut butter and jelly. Uh, and the one thing that I, I do remember is receiving a DM from Vern Troyer, known, uh, you know, mini-me to a lot of people. And it was a video of him making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I think with with egg uh, involved. And it was like open face toast, whatnot. And I just was like, is this really happening? I think I was in the store when he sent it to me. And I was like, oh, haha, that looks great, thanks. And and then he just responded with, it's delicious. And I was like, all right, this is... uh, this day is getting a little more interesting, you know, as we go along. But yeah, the, the, the amount of messages from people in and around the NBA um, has been really cool. I actually got a message yesterday from an NBA official that at the water at the NBA draft lottery this year on May 16th, uh, they're going to be serving peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So uh, it just it continues to go on. I, it, every day I have every day since it has come out, I've heard from at least one, and on some days, many, many people um, about the story. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how long that, that trend continues. Well, I mean, you also have to take some uh, responsibility for PB&J Day coming to ESPN's cafeteria. But, uh, I... <laughs> but mini-me sliding into your DMs is definitely, uh, it is definitely a special <laughs> moment from that. Um, well, Pretty surreal. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to thank Baxter Holmes for coming through to talk sandwiches and PB&J. For this story and more, you can go to ESPN.com forward slash double truck. That's all one word, double truck. We'll be back soon with more stories. I'm Justin Ellis. Thanks for listening.